Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today's episode is a continuation in a series I'm doing on how to build adaptive capacity, which is the key for leveraging stress for growth in really almost any area of your life. And today I'll be discussing how exercise improves adaptive capacity. I have to tell you, I really enjoyed doing the research for this episode, and I uncovered so many fascinating articles about exercise and general stress resilience. I didn't even know the body of literature had this amount of information on this topic. I want to start by iterating or reiterating that the body is an interconnected system. And as I've mentioned previously, the brain and the body really don't differentiate between physical and psychological stress. It's just one signal. In addition, when I talk about resilience, I'm not talking about task-specific resilience or toughness, like improving your ability to endure the stress of public speaking or making trades on the exchange floor, being a chef at a five-star restaurant, etc. As I've discussed on the podcast before, you can't be tough to everything. You must be inoculated to specific stressors if you want to thrive under those specific situations or circumstances. What I'm discussing or pointing out today is that exercise enhances our global stress resilience. According to the National Institute of Health, a physically fit and healthy body will improve your resilience by blunting stress reactivity, developing physical and psychological resilience, and protecting you from illness. It's pretty clear in the literature that regular physical activity and higher levels of fitness are beneficial for health and well-being. This includes like cardiovascular health, preventing osteopenia, metabolic syndrome, the list goes on and on. Research also points in the direction that exercise promotes health and a reduction in disease via stress buffering effects. And that's what we're really going to get into today. Gerber and Fuse report that half of the review studies support the claim that people with high exercise levels exhibited fewer health problems if they were exposed to high levels of stress. Before I go any further, I want to point out that I will be pulling some direct quotes from several papers, and I'll be putting those links to those papers in the show notes for anyone looking to take a deep dive on the subject. In the literature, one of the most discussed assumptions on how physical exercise might influence the stress coping system is the so-called stress buffering hypothesis of physical exercise. Physical exercise is thought to act as a moderator of the stress health relationship by reducing the detrimental effects of chronic stress, like the chronic stress of work or the chronic stress of a destructive relationship. You get where I'm going with this on physical and mental health. In other words, by buffering the negative health effects of stress. Another explanation for how exercise attenuates negative impacts of stress is the cross-stressor adaptation hypothesis. There's a fantastic paper by Muck and colleagues that I linked in the show notes called The Influence of Regular Physical Activity and Fitness on Stress Reactivity as Measured with a Trier Social Stress Test Protocol, a systematic review. This is a really good paper. There's a lot of good stuff in it that you're going to want to read. But the authors state that according to the cross-stressor adaptation hypothesis, exposure to physical stress, like vigorous exercise, triggers a stress response comparable to that found in the reaction to psychosocial stressors. The basic assumption of this hypothesis is that the beneficial adaptation of the 
hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis or the HPA axis activity in the sympathetic nervous system and immune system during the physical stress of exercise can generalize to other non-physical cognitive or psychosocial stressors. So like because you're activating the HPA axis, the sympathetic nervous system and the immune system during regular exercise, it's going to kind of cross over to how you react to psychosocial stressors. It makes a ton of sense to me. If you recall in episode 194 and 197, I explained how the body responds to stress by activating the HPA axis, which releases glucocorticoids, including cortisol, and the sympathetic nervous system, which releases catecholamines like epinephrine, aka adrenaline, norepinephrine, which these things increase your heart rate and blood pressure and pushes you into that fight or flight response. And there's also a coordinated activation of the immune system. Now, acute exercise activates all three of these systems in a dose-response manner, which means the greater intensity of exercise and greater volume, the greater stress response. Now, low-intensity activity, I'm talking like real low intensity, like less than 50% max heart rate, has minimal activation. High-intensity exercise has a marked activation of the HPA axis, sympathetic nervous system, immune system. And as a side note, I think it's really important that you should be careful with doing a lot of high intensity interval training, especially during periods of high stress, because it could lead to burnout really, really quickly. Same thing with very heavy weightlifting um, or aerobic power intervals that just drain your body. So whenever you're doing these really high intensity bouts of exercise, just make sure you're I think it's important to book in them with lower intensity days because you and I aren't, most of us listening to this podcast aren't elite athletes anymore. Maybe we were great athletes back in the day, but we need more recovery time. So that's just kind of a side note for you. So as a summary, the stress response systems are great when activated and terminated in a timely manner. Like we've talked about before, stress is not a bad thing. It's the gateway to growth, but prolonged activation can cause maladaptive responses. This can lead to depression, cognitive dysfunction, metabolic dysregulation, immune dysfunction, inflammation. It can lead to chronic disease. I think it's interesting to note some things that I was reading that individuals who rate high on well-being and stress resilience tend to show opposite biological profiles. They have lower cortisol, sympathetic activity, lower pro-inflammatory markers, and metabolic and cardiovascular risk factors. Exercise and physical activity have been demonstrated to improve physical fitness, which promote a healthier and more resilient biological profile than inactive people. So when you're healthy and physically fit, like you're not going to see these biomarkers. You're just going to have a different biological profile in general. Now, I want to discuss the benefits of physical activity on health and resilience. And these points are pulled directly from a paper titled Biological Mechanisms Underlying the Role of Physical Fitness and health and resilience since by Silverman and Doyster, and it's going to be in the show notes. Physical fitness serves as a buffer against stress and stress-related disorders and chronic diseases, just like I mentioned. So here's some like high-level things I thought were really cool. One, physically fit people are less susceptible to life stressors, particularly illness. So if you're physically fit, probably not going to get sick as much. In addition, regular exercise acts as a buffer against stress disorders, such as anxiety. High levels of aerobic fitness are inversely related to metabolic stress-related disorders such as obesity, cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, and metabolic syndrome. 
People that exercise, exercise frequently, report a higher quality of life and mental health status. And then this one was really cool. A 2013 meta-epidemiological study published in the British Medical Journal of randomized controlled trials found that exercise is equivalent to pharmacological interventions in terms of mortality benefits and the secondary prevention of coronary heart disease and the prevention of diabetes and even more effective than drug treatment among patients recovering from stroke. Think about that. Big pharma. Just exercise. Now let's talk about how physical fitness blunts or optimizes neuroendocrine and physiological responses to physical and psychosocial stressors. Silverman and Doister point out that overall improvements to physical fitness have been related to a reduction in stress reactivity for both physical and mental stressors. The authors also pointed out that if a physically inactive person engages in a well-designed exercise program for 6 to 12 weeks that improves aerobic fitness, they are better able to tolerate intense workloads and will be minimally stressed by lower ones compared to unfit individuals. This kind of makes sense for almost any biological capacity. This includes lower cortisol and heart rate responses to psychosocial stressors. This research, which they were talking about, compared untrained versus trained men. These men also reported lower anxiety, better mood, and a greater sense of calmness after improving their aerobic fitness. Globally, the literature points to a physiological toughening mechanism by which regular exercise can improve stress tolerance. According to Silverman and Doister, and this is a direct quote, okay, whereas acute exposure to a psychological or physical stressor might induce a transient stress response. So there's a transient increase in HPA axis activation, sympathetic nervous system, inflammatory responses, repeated intermittent exposure to that stressor with enough time to recover in between can lead to physiological stress training. This is in quotes or toughening. So you have this like stress training result. The biological profile associated with physiological toughening is characterized by an increased initial catecholamine response. So you have this big spike in catecholamines followed by a rapid recovery along with reduced HPA axis responses. This protective physiological profile appears to be associated with improved performance during challenging or stressful situations, increased tolerance to stressors, reduced behavioral suppression or even reduced depression, increased emotional stability and improved immune function. I mean, this makes total and complete sense to me because you're training stress when you exercise. You're basically hardening your body to various inputs. The same thing happens to global stress responses. If you train it, you're going to adapt to it. Remember that thing we talked about a long time ago, specific adaptation to impose demands? It, across, it applies across the board. I hope you can see now why exercise is one of our five pillars for building adaptive capacity. You are building a bigger tank for stress every time you exercise. I'm going to bring this podcast to an end soon, but I want to point out a few more adaptive responses from exercise that I think are worth noting. One, Exercise promotes an anti-inflammatory state in the body. It normalizes insulin resistance and, and improves several characteristics for metabolic syndrome and depressive symptomology. 
Regular exercise has been shown to enhance your mood, decrease depression and anxiety, increase cognitive function, such as learning and memory in both human and animal studies. Possible biological mechanisms mediating the effects of include structural and cellular molecular changes to the brain. This includes like neurogenesis, synaptogenesis, gliogenesis. I don't want to get into all this stuff, but together they can promote enhanced neuroplasticity and may be capable of blocking and or reversing the detrimental effects of chronic stress on the brain. One of the growth factors receiving a lot of attention lately is brain-derived neurotropic factor, or BDNF. You've probably seen this before. It plays a critical role in integrating behavioral and metabolic responses to challenging environments, and it promotes synaptic plasticity and neurogenesis improve cognitive function, improve mood, and neuroprotection. The research is pointing to acute increases in BDNF up to 30% post-exercise, specifically aerobic exercise. But the literature hasn't been able to demonstrate like long-lasting BDNF elevation, but you can see it after acute exercise. So this is something worth keeping your eye on. So let's wrap this up. The clinical implications of living an inactive lifestyle are profound. You are literally mortgaging your physical and mental health by not engaging in regular physical activity. The research is pretty clear that improving your fitness, in particular aerobic fitness, is one of the best indicators of resilience and long-term health, and it mitigates against chronic disease. Now, resistance training is critical as well, but there's just more research out there right now on aerobic fitness, okay? Exercise does improve your stress resilience. And after this podcast, you would have to be completely crazy and not itching to hit the gym and go for a run. So go out there and get it done. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you learned something interesting today, please take a picture of the podcast artwork on your smartphone and share it on social media and make sure to tag me and let me know what you learned. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.